Record snow creates treacherous conditions. Make sure that you're prepared um, with all your avalanche safety equipment. A widespread avalanche warning, even if you're on trails close to home. Ride hailing needs a Christmas miracle. The public was promised this before Christmas. Who's to blame for BC's broken promise? And remembering a renegade. She was funny. She was scary. <laughs> the powerful legacy of transgender activist Jamie Lee Hamilton. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Effective immediately, there's a special avalanche warning in place and it's widespread. It encompasses both backcountry and more easily accessible terrain in some of the most popular areas for outdoor enthusiasts. Aaron MacArthur shows us the areas most at risk and why the slopes are primed for human-triggered avalanches. The road over the Coquihalla summit is clear, but crews are still digging out. So much snow fell here Thursday and Friday, it smashed records. Almost a meter fell in one 48-hour period. About double what the average storm brings to the pass. Now, three days later, all that snow is creating a major safety concern. Avalanche forecasters have issued a province-wide special warning. The risk of catastrophic avalanches is real, from the Sea to Sky Corridor all the way to the East Kootenays. The skies are clearing up, there's powder in the mountains, People are keen to get out for a powder day, but there's a lingering problem in the snowpack. We've got a deep layer that's going to persist, and with that comes a risk of triggering avalanches. The risk to backcountry users is obvious, but Avalanche Canada has gone a step further, warning front country users there is a risk. Ski resorts working around the clock to park that risk, but easily accessible snowshoe trails can be significantly exposed. Search and rescue volunteers are preparing for what could be a busy week. The warning coming just as everyone starts their Christmas holiday. People need to be very aware. There's a lot of trails that are very accessible from the North Shore here that go right through avalanche terrain. So people need to be aware and they need to make sure they have the appropriate equipment with them and have an understanding of how to use that equipment. Forecasters are warning the risk for slides could last well into the winter. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Meteorologist Yvonne Schall is in tonight for Christie with a closer look at the risk and why it's so high right now, Yvonne. Yeah, and the following areas included once again, Aaron mentioned it, but we are seeing it from the Sea to Sky, South Coast Inland, the Purcells and the South Rockies. What we have seen over the weekend is a significant amount of snow that fell just over a, leak, a week, a, a layer of snowpack rather, and we're going to continue to watch that. But the big concern and the message that we do want to get across to people is that human-triggered avalanches will be the concern as we progress through the next next few days and it's really the back and the front country that will be included within that and these are a couple of images just showing us what it looks like with the snowpack and then the weak layer that we're seeing it'll be very tricky we'll keep a close eye over the next few days but once again the concern will be human triggered avalanches chris all right thanks very much for that yvonne and here's something else that might rattle a few nerves four earthquakes off the bc coast today all within the span of a few hours the first 5.1 magnitude quake was recorded 166 kilometers west of Port Hardy at 8.45 this morning. Then at 11.15, a 5.7 magnitude quake, about three kilometers away from the first one. The third hit just a half hour later and was reported as a magnitude 5.7.
And finally, the fourth measured 6.0 and hit just before 1 o'clock this afternoon. There's since been one more aftershock. Earthquakes Canada says there are no reports of damage and no tsunami warning had to be issued. A man has died in a serious boating incident at a fish farm off the west coast of Vancouver Island. Cermak Canada has confirmed an employee died and two others were injured, but the company isn't releasing details regarding what happened Sunday or which facility was involved out of, quote, respect for the family. Several agencies are investigating, including the B.C. Coroner Service and WorkSafe B.C. In a statement, Cermak says the Canadian Coast Guard was notified immediately and the company is working with all authorities as the investigation progresses. The Department of Fisheries and Oceans is also not releasing any details, telling Global News to contact CERMAC for more information. BC's police watchdog is investigating a bizarre incident that closed the Mary Hill Bypass in Port Coquitlam for several hours on Sunday night. The IIO tonight confirming the death of a Coquitlam man as police tried to take him into custody. Grace Key explains what led up to the incident. Well, it all unfolded just along the stretch of the Mary Hill Bypass behind me near Shaughnessy. At about 4.30 Sunday afternoon, Coquitlam police went to a home to inquire about a man who had a number of warrants for his arrest. Now, about an hour later, an officer working laser enforcement in this area saw that man run out of a wooded area into traffic where he was almost hit. The officer activated his lights and drove in the man's direction. He was observed, as I say, uh, to come onto the highway, uh, walk into traffic at times, um, and then attempt to enter some cars. As a result of what the officer observed, uh, um, he determined that he, the male should be placed under arrest, and uh, it was during that interaction that he went into med- medical distress. The man entered the rear seat of a vehicle when the officer placed him under arrest. Now, despite attempts to save him, he died at the scene. A firearm was not used. It's early in this investigation, so there is limited information. IIO will now determine if the police officer's actions or inactions contributed to the man's death. In Port Coquitlam, Grace Key, Global News. Surrey Councillor Jack Hundall is calling on Mayor Doug McCallum to release a months-old report revealing how residents truly feel about moving to a civic police force. Hundall criticizing the mayor for failing to release the full results of the public consultation. Hundall says McCallum was planning to release it back in June, but we've yet to learn the response from more than 11,000 residents, many of whom Hundall claims are against the transition. We reached out to Mayor McCallum, but he has yet to respond. Well, I think it should be very concerning for everyone involved. We're an open and transparent society. uh, And when you start hiding reports that are generated by the public, and the public knows about it, uh, that is a serious, serious loss of confidence. Friends of a pilot who died in a small plane crash over the weekend have identified him as Hal Schultz. Officials confirm a man in his 70s died in the crash. RCMP say the Cessna was scheduled to land at 1.30 Saturday afternoon at the Courtney Air Park. At 4.30, a search team was sent out. The wreckage was found Sunday morning near Sydney Inlet Provincial Park, northwest of Tofino. Neighbors have identified the victim as Hal Schultz from Comox Valley. The cause of the crash is still under investigation. Well, the province said the province said we'd have ride hailing in BC by Christmas, but that is turning out to be a bust. 
There is no chance that Uber or Lyft could operate that quickly, even if they got their licenses right now. And it's doubtful the services will even be up and running by New Year's Eve. Richard Zisman tells us who's to blame for this broken promise. It was promised again. And I'm hopeful by Christmas we'll be there. And again. And I'm very confident we're going to get ride-hailing by Christmas. And again. We want to see this up and running as quickly as possible. With Christmas just two days away, it's now clear ride-sharing isn't coming by Wednesday. Here we are, days from Christmas, and literally nothing has happened. Companies are sitting by the computer screen, hitting refresh every few minutes, waiting. The province says implementing ride-sharing was more complicated than originally anticipated. But the government also gave up the power when it tasked the Passenger Transportation Board to approve licenses. The independent body accountable to no one. In the Passenger Transportation Board, there's sort of secrecy and not telling us where they're at in the process is a little bit disgusting. The PTB has approved one company, which will operate in Whistler and Tofino. There are 22 more applications to go. And critics wonder why those companies with proven track records aren't approved yet. How much time will it take to sort of evaluate Lyft and Uber, which operate all around the world? The taxi industry isn't cheering the fact ride-sharing isn't here yet. And they have their own frustrations. One is insurance, where new rideshare drivers pay less than new taxi drivers. The second is the PTB's decision to not put any caps on rideshare vehicles once they are approved. Level playing field is when when the both sides have got the same type of uh, numbers or close to each other. The PTB could still approve licenses over the next few days, but that's no guarantee they'd be operating in time for New Year's Eve. Companies are having a hard time recruiting drivers, in part because of the requirement to have a commercial Class 4 license. I think it's safe to say British Columbians will not have the same quality of ride hailing that you see in other Canadian cities, in the United States or Europe. For British Columbians, it all means after asking what's under the Christmas tree and can I have more gravy or another glass of wine, the next question is, are there enough options to get home? Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Metro Vancouver Transit Police spot Santa a long way from the North Pole. Why he and Rudolph almost made the naughty list coming up on the news hour. And how superstar Ryan Reynolds is doing something beautiful with an ugly Christmas sweater later. Right now, though, a look back at the amazing life and legacy of activist and advocate Jamie Lee Hamilton. She was a well-known member of Vancouver's transgender community who fought for the rights of sex workers in Vancouver. Jordan Armstrong has more on her passing and how she's being remembered. 67 pairs of heels, one for each woman missing from the downtown east side. The year was 1998. Four years before Robert Pickton was arrested, Jamie Lee Hamilton knew sex workers were vanishing, but few would listen. So she took her message to the steps of City Hall. What could be more humane than a safe center for these women? Hello, everyone. Hamilton was known as a tireless advocate and activist who fought for her city and the people she cared about. Here she was in 2005 while running for a seat on council. Some say I'm the queen of hearts. And you know, I'd rather be the queen of hearts rather than the king of lawsuits. (laughs) She was the driving force behind the West End Sex Workers Memorial. Friend David C. Jones says Hamilton was funny, scary, 
and beautiful. I think the community will remember her as someone, um, someone else said this today, as infuriating and beautiful and amazing. She's an advocate. She upset some people because of her outspokenness. But if she was out speaking on your behalf, you really welcomed her voice. Some people say I'm an oddity in Vancouver, but Vancouver is full of oddities. And this one, though, has a lot of heart. And defiance. In 2000, she was charged with running a common body house for allowing prostitutes to use her home as a brothel and safe space, a charge that was later stayed. People trusted her. She was an ear for people who needed help. And she was a fighter right up to the end, seeing her fighting with the cancer. And then it was such a rapid decline. Jamie Lee Hamilton, a larger-than-life personality, dead at age 64. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. And here we have uh, Santa and his reindeer not signaling left. Constable Walid's going to go 10-11 with Santa here. Transit police reminding drivers that traffic rules apply to everyone, even Rudolph and Santa. Officers reining in the reindeer and his passenger this morning after noticing when they rolled up behind the pair, the dynamic duo failed to signal before turning. Transit police letting them off with a warning and sharing the holiday traffic stop on social media, urging Santa and his red-nosed reindeer to be more careful next time since... Children around the world are depending on you. Well done. Health Canada continues to warn Canadians to stop using a popular sleep aid marketed as an all-natural product. It turns out Udream has a substance in it that's very similar to a prescription treatment for insomnia with potentially dangerous side effects. As Paul Johnson reports, it's still a mystery how the product was ever approved for sale. They're all herbal and or natural occurring substances. White Rock's Greg Parson started taking Udream during his recovery from a car accident. I tried it, uh, definitely knocks you out. Monday, Health Canada told Global News they started testing Udream after getting complaints about withdrawal and dependence. And they found a compound in it similar to the prescription sleeping pill Zoplicone. The US FDA found the same thing and it's now banned in both countries. Not only were many consumers apparently misled about the actual ingredients of Udream, so too were many of our most trusted and best known retailers. London Drugs even went so far as to publicize when they had the fast selling product back in stock. That London Drugs web ad touted Udream as having constantly been one of the top 50 most viewed products on their website. So how did a relatively unknown company get a product like this onto store shelves? Other retailers didn't respond to our calls, but London Drugs told us they follow Health Canada's rules, and Health Canada is responsible for checking for product quality. Biotrade is based out of a home on Vancouver Island, which is where we met executive Patrick Jackson. The manufacturing is licensed by Health Canada, so I can't say exactly at what time or date they last visited. Health Canada Monday couldn't tell us anything about when they last inspected Biotrade's facilities in B.C., but promised to find out more. 
In the meantime, Jackson says Biotrade's as surprised as everyone else about the discovery of a compound similar to Zoplicone in Udream. So we're doing everything we can to possibly understand what's happened to bring the product back to the market as soon as we can. Paul Johnson, Global News. Asian giant hornets are not supposed to live here, but another one has been found, this time in Washington state, and they are setting traps in the Blaine area to see if there are any more of them. The Blaine hornet was discovered earlier this month and confirmed to be an Asian giant hornet by Washington's agriculture department. The pests can inflict a nasty sting if their ground nests are disturbed. They also represent a threat to honeybees. It's the first time they've been detected in Washington state. One surfaced in Vancouver, and then in August, a large colony was discovered in Nanaimo and subsequently destroyed. An emergency cleanup effort is underway off the Galapagos Islands after a barge carrying 600 gallons of diesel sank in the easternmost island in the archipelago. The incident happened as workers attempted to load a container on a barge with a crane and somehow both of them tipped into the water, destabilizing the vessel, which of course turned on its side. Crews are now working to mitigate the possible impacts to surrounding areas using containment barriers. They're also using hydrocarbon absorbing cloth around the vessel to soak up any diesel that leaks. The Galapagos, a UNESCO World Heritage Site, is home to some of the most unique and scientifically significant ecosystems on Earth. Saudi Arabia has sentenced five people to death for the murder of Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi. Khashoggi, a prominent critic of the Saudi government, was murdered in Istanbul last year by a team of Saudi agents. But some say the man ultimately responsible for the murder may never be punished. This morning, death sentences for the murderers of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi. The Saudi public prosecutor announcing capital punishment for five individuals for committing and directly participating in the murder of the victim. Another three men were sentenced to a total of 24 years in prison for covering up this crime and violating the law. Khashoggi, a permanent U.S. resident and vocal critic of Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, was murdered and dismembered in October last year in the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. His body parts were never found. His death sparked a global outcry against Saudi Arabia and greater scrutiny of its crackdown on dissidents. Saudi Arabia has said the killing was a rogue operation, but critics of the absolute monarchy and U.S. ally aren't convinced. Earlier this year, the U.N. said the slaying was an extrajudicial execution and called for the investigation of the Crown Prince. NBC News confirmed that a CIA assessment found that Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman ordered the killing of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. The prince has denied any involvement. Two senior officials implicated in the murder with the closest ties to the crown prince were cleared of wrongdoing because of insufficient evidence. A deepening divide tonight on next steps for U.S. President Trump's Senate impeachment trial. Republican and Democratic leaders are arguing over who should testify. And now Chuck Schumer is pushing the Trump administration to release more emails and documents. A holiday hold on impeachment proceedings as key leaders dig in today. We can't take up a matter we don't have. And so hopefully it'll, they'll be on the way over at some point. 
Republican leader Mitch McConnell waiting on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to send him those two articles of impeachment so a Senate trial can begin. But Pelosi today insists she won't take the next step in the process until we know what sort of trial the Senate will conduct. The president tonight on Twitter responding she is trying to take over the Senate and crying Chuck is trying to take over the trial. No way. But Democrats say they just want what's fair, with Senator Chuck Schumer today making the case in a new letter to colleagues, pushing not just for witnesses in a trial, like Acting Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney and former National Security Advisor John Bolton, but documents, too, about the president's request for investigations in Ukraine that could have helped him politically, even as military aid to the country was on hold. We say to President Trump, release the emails, let your aides testify. We say to Leader McConnell, A fair trial with the facts. Only the facts. Venice is facing another round of epic flooding. The tide this morning peaked lower than expected at a little under five feet, but it remains above the four and a half foot mark considered exceptional. The latest surge comes as the city still reels from a six foot tide on November 12th which was the highest in more than 50 years. The city's mayor said total damage is estimated around a billion dollars, with houses, businesses, and historic monuments severely hit. Boeing CEO Dennis Mullenberg is ousted by the company as it tries to recover from a disastrous year. The company faces a series of setbacks that started with two fatal crashes involving its best-selling 737 MAX airplanes. With the global 737 MAX fleet grounded since March and losing billions of dollars, Boeing's board of directors decided late Sunday the company needs new leadership now, firing CEO Dennis Mullenberg and immediately replacing him with board chairman David Calhoun. The biggest issue for Dennis Mullenberg is the fact that Boeing's relationship with the FAA has broken down completely. Mullenberg had tried to pressure the FAA into fast-tracking approval of the 737 MAX fixes after two fatal crashes killed 346 people. But now approval may not come until February or later, forcing Boeing to temporarily shut down the MAX production line. It was only in October that Mullenberg met with the families of those who died. We are sorry, deeply and truly sorry. But anger only intensified over revelations Boeing had not been fully transparent about the plane's problems. The world's airlines are demanding compensation. Michael Stumo, whose daughter Samia Rose died in the Ethiopian crash, is demanding a change in Boeing's executive culture. I can't help my daughter anymore. But this is what we can do is try to make aviation safer for everyone else. Boeing says it needs to repair damaged relationships with the airlines and the FAA. And today, the new Boeing CEO reached out to the FAA chief, promising transparency and cooperation. 51 Canadian firefighters are giving up Christmas with their families to lend a hand fighting deadly wildfires in Australia. The fires have destroyed hundreds of homes and killed at least half a dozen people, including two firefighters. Global's Abigail Beeman reports on the Canadian expertise heading south. Canadian firefighters are going in shifts that are about a month long. 51 are on the ground right now. Another 17 will join them in a week or so. And the week after that, the first contingent will come home and be replaced by a fresh group. The temperature, the vegetation here is different, so we are experiencing different fire behavior, uh, very aggressive fires. 
Uh, the temperature takes some real adjustments. And then being away from home over the Christmas period is a bit of an adjustment. Morgan Kerr's regular job is director of wildfire operations for the province of Alberta. Now he's part of the crew helping in Australia. Canadian firefighters with wildfire expertise from right across the country are helping exhausted Australian firefighters, largely with planning, logistics and aircraft management. One example of something different, Care says oily eucalyptus trees can shoot embers kilometers away, something Canadians don't see at home. But he says in general, the systems are fairly similar and things are working well. Absolutely a positive experience. They notice our uniforms or our accents and everyone stop and thank us and give us a pat on the back and a shake of the hand and very welcoming. It's also good to meet up uh, with some of those who've been out here from uh, the United States and Canada who are, who, are, who are stationed here and it'll be their first Aussie Christmas, maybe not under the circumstances we would have preferred. Um, and it's wonderful to have them here. Once record-breaking temperatures have cooled and winds have died down, allowing the focus now to be on assessment and planning. But everyone is bracing for more heat and wind expected later this week. Abigail Beeman, Global News, Ottawa. Hey, he's looking at it. Good work. Yeah, this tender moment in Australia caught on video. A first responder took a break from fighting those fires to help out a thirsty koala. Video of the encounter shows the animal drinking happily from a bottle of water held by the crew member. And then once it's empty, it appears it's still thirsty for more as it reaches up for the bottle. And that koala is far from the only thirsty animal in Australia. Take a look at this. Wild kingdom at the water trough. Birds, lizards, kangaroos, you name it, all caught on video trying to quench their thirst. Detroit is, of course, the birthplace of the muscle car, but police are not impressed with a new viral video. Like a scene out of Fast and Furious, the video shows traffic stopped on I-94 in Detroit while the driver of a Chevy Camaro pulls out and proceeds to do donuts in the middle of the interstate. Police say the stunt was no laughing matter and put the public at risk. They are looking for the suspects who took part. Felony charges are pending against the driver. In Health Matters tonight, a new poll has found most Canadians support raising the legal age to purchase vape products from 18 or 19 all the way up to 21. As Global's Heather Yorix West explains, the number of young people using these products has soared recently, prompting demands for tougher rules in how they're both marketed and sold. An exclusive poll from Ipsos conducted for Global News shows widespread support across Canada for increasing the legal purchase age for vape products. The vast majority of Canadians, uh, roughly 8 in 10, uh, support raising the minimum age for the use of these products to 21. The potentially deadly health impacts of vaping have been highlighted this year by an epidemic of what's known as vaping-associated lung illnesses. So far, 14 cases have been reported in Canada, while in the U.S., 54 people have died. The valid vapor-related pulmonary illness or respiratory illness is very concerning. But I don't think this is the most uh, significant uh, factor we should take into account. Any vaping, any addiction in the adolescent years, in youth, is concerning. 
Dr. Goldman supports raising the legal purchase age, but believes more can and should be done to educate teens and their parents about the risks. What I'm hearing from adolescents is they think it's better than smoking. But what I know from evidence is that it's actually, this is a gateway to smoking. A 2018 study found 37% of Canadian teens aged 16 to 19 were using vape products. Talk to any young person across the country and they'll quickly tell you how common it's become. I used vape pro uh, products all through high school and then first couple of years of university. All of my friends that I know have vapes. There's so many. It's like, it's like candy. <laughs> you, just, you just want to try it all. In recent weeks, several provincial governments have introduced plans to curb youth vaping rates. In BC, there is a plan to cap nicotine, while in Nova Scotia, there will soon be a ban on flavoring. And nationally, there is a proposal to ban all advertising of vape products to children. For now, though, the fascination among young people with what is still a relatively new phenomenon is not likely to fade. Heather Urex West, Global News, Calgary. Canadian actor Ryan Reynolds has brought back his ugly Christmas sweater prank, all for a good cause. Reynolds posting a video of himself in the sweater, revealing he'll match any donations made to Toronto's Sick Kids Foundation before Christmas. Several photos of sick children rocking that famous sweater are also included. The sweater that is now the star of the campaign was gifted to the actor as a joke from his friends Jake Gyllenhaal and Hugh Jackman. Ecuador's rumbling Reventador volcano lit up the night sky spewing incandescent rock and lava down its slopes. Reventador is one of the country's most remote volcanoes located in Ecuador's Amazon region, but it's also one of the most active in the country. And that is amazing at night. And check this out. He's not hanging around because he wants some nuts. How this squirrel became stuck under a news van. And who came to the rescue ultimately, coming up right after the forecast. No squirrels were injured Good. in that video, by the way. <laughs> well, maybe a kink in the tail. But anyway, let's talk to Yvonne. We talked about the... Uh, uh, avalanche danger a little bit earlier. You got some beautiful Christmas lights in behind you now. Yeah, beautiful shot. This is Harbor Center, and we're looking ahead towards our Christmas Day uh, forecast, and I'll have that in just a moment. We have seen a few bright spots through the day today, but we have more cloud cover rolling in this evening, and it'll be gray with showers for tomorrow. Currently sitting at four, an easterly wind at nine kilometers per hour. Here's the system that we are tracking. It is bringing in rain, especially along the coast. Inland snow continues to fall this evening, and leading in towards uh, Tuesday morning, and this this same system is going to push its way towards the south. Here's how things do play out on the future cast. So the snowfall inland up to 15 centimeters and that system moves across the south coast for Tuesday. By the evening we could see some heavier pockets especially across the island and then it'll ease off. We still have a chance of showers just on Wednesday morning for Christmas Day and then clearing out by the afternoon and evening. Snowfall warning north coast inland this includes Stewart so 15 centimeters by tomorrow morning and if you're traveling along the mountain passes the Kootenai Pass still a concern for this evening. Range between four and up to six centimeters, and a heads up for the sea to sky if you're heading to Whistler for tomorrow, two and up to four centimeters. All other mountain passes, it'll be flurries and light snowfall. Along the coast tomorrow, it does ease off inland as well for the snowfall. Most areas near the peace, it's minus three with a partly cloudy sky. Isolated flurries across the southern interior. Temperatures will be just below the freezing mark. And across the south coast, we are looking at that rainfall picking up, especially for the afternoon and evening. So blip 
in the forecast for Christmas Eve. A quick glance, this was tweeted out a fun one, uh, weather of Christmases past. What we've seen in the past Christmases for a few spots, Vancouver, for example, the most snow on the ground was back in 2008 with 41 centimeters. And a quick glance uh, at the temperatures for Christmas Day will be sitting at 6 degrees. We do have that chance of showers. It'll be for the morning hours. It brightens up for our Boxing Day with plenty of sunshine. Quite chilly, though, for overnight lows. Chris? I remember that 2008 winter. I don't, I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not wishing for that, but nope. maybe something in between. <laughs> Thanks very much, Yvonne. All right. Uh, being part of a news crew, just about anything can happen, but... I've never seen this before. Just when they were about to head back to the station, a news crew in Columbus, Ohio, found themselves in a squirrely situation. Quite literally. Take a look. A squirrel stuck under the hood of their van. Thankfully, they heard a noise just before driving away. The poor little guy somehow got its tail stuck and couldn't free itself. So the news crew tried for a half an hour as well to free it, but couldn't do it. So eventually they called the Columbus Fire Department and they were able to rescue the squirrel with, I'm pretty sure if we slowed that video down, as I did earlier, you'd see the kink in its tail, but it, yeah. that might, it, might, it might come out in the next little while, I would hope. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope it's not permanent. Yeah, if you get a kink in your tail, what does happen? Yeah, I'm not sure. I guess we'll find out. All right, finishing touches on the sportscast. Take it away, my friend. Okay, thank you very much. I have lost count how many times We've had to tell you that Alex Edler is hurt. And how many times we've had to tell you that Alex Edler is no longer hurt and back with the Canucks. Well, tonight, same story. He's back with the Canucks just in time for a game against the Oilers. Which is the team he was playing against when he suffered his most recent injury? Now, you would think with all those injuries over the years, Edler would try to stay away from physical contact. But he says he cannot. If I were to change my my the way I play I probably not be very effective uh, so uh, you know I, I know how I have to play to 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 help the team and be physical when we can and you know always battle uh, uh, and uh, that's just uh, there's no other option losing Joff Levo make that for two to three months is a huge blow to the Vancouver Canucks he has a kneecap injury, and he was effective in a lot of areas for Vancouver. But with him out, somebody needs to help fill the void. Maybe it's Jake Vertanen, the guy every Canuck fan hopes will reach his potential because he has all the physical gifts. If he can become a consistent player, he'd be great. In the past, he has shown us shotgun Jake at times, and at other times, he has shown us popgun Jake. Shotgun's way better, and lately, that's what we've been seeing. Myers walks in, here's a shot, scores! Jake Vertanen! PD's been giving me tips. I mean, I just have been watching it so much in practice. Um, I used to shoot a lot more like that. Um, I feel like in junior I did that a lot, and I, I wanted to bring that back into my game, and then they gave me the opportunity to get on the half fall there, so um, I wanted to try to make the most of it. And that's really what Jake Vertanen is doing this season, making the most out of every opportunity that comes his way. And as we've seen of late, those opportunities are numerous. Be it power play action or lining up against the opposition's top skaters, Jake is stringing together quality minutes for the Canucks this season. You know, when you, when you watch the game, you usually watch what guys do with the puck. As coaches, um, you know, you're always watching things that you do with the puck and away from the puck. And I think we're seeing improvements in Jake's game away from the puck. And, and that's... Uh, 
obviously gives us more confidence to put them in different situations. And um, also, when a guy's playing well, you're going to play him more. A consistent effort night in and night out is what Vertanen's delivering for the Canucks. The big two and a one of 10 skaters to dress in every Canucks game this season. Of his 10 goals, eight have come at even strength. And speaking of those minutes that Travis Green mentioned, in 37 games this season, Jake's only played less than 10 minutes five times. I always played with Travis for a long time, and um, we had a couple guys injured, so I'm trying to get that opportunity to get that trust from him. And, um, you know, it's nice to see. I, I want to be a guy in all key situations and um, when the game's on the line, so hopefully uh, we keep on... I keep on improving and I can get in those situations more often. This is Vertanen's fifth full year of professional hockey. It's also the final season of a very friendly $1.25 million contract. Jake keeps playing like this and he's in for a decent raise. Now money aside, the Canucks will be more than happy to pay him for an honest day's work if he continues to mature and evolve into the versatile, well-rounded player that we're all watching these days. To the goal! Cheers! What a period Jake Vertanen's having! His structure in his game is uh, a little bit more complete. Hey, don't you have work to do, buddy? <laughs> He's got to leave Minnesota and get to the North Pole soon. Uh, Joel Erickson Eck goes down against Calgary this afternoon, gets up and scores. Wild have been a pretty good home team this year, although they haven't played many home games. Uh, Luke Coonan with a goal coming up. One that also started in the right corner. And Minnesota shuts out Calgary 3-0. This game was pure 80s. What is uh, Jordan Martinuk doing here? You can get a concussion that way, kid. Used to play for the Vancouver Giants. Okay, this game started off all Leafs. William Nylander scores here. Toronto was up 3-0 after about five minutes. Then, a Leafs power play goes wrong. And Brock McGinn scores a shorthanded goal. That starts the momentum going... Carolina's way. In fact, at one point they scored three goals in a minute four seconds. Andrei Svechnikov makes it five to three. But then the Leafs score three goals in 59 seconds down 6-4. And watch this play. That's beautiful by Austin Matthews. Getting it over to Mitch Marner. Let's take another look. The spin at speed, the pass right on the money. So Tyson Berry is now scored after this to make it 6-6. And watch what happens six seconds after they tie it. Face off, Marner, straight through. I'm telling you, that's 80s hockey. Wow. 8-6 the final, Toronto over Carolina. Seattle's number one, number two, and number three running backs are all hurt and done for the season. Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, C.J. Proceis. So in order to replace them, the Seahawks have gone into the hot tub time machine and come up with Marshawn Lynch. They have asked him to come out of sort of retirement. He hasn't played since last year. He is in Seattle, apparently. He is testing. If he passes the tests, there is a very good chance he could play Sunday night against San Francisco. Update, if Russell Wilson gets hurt, Seahawks will call upon Matt Hasselbeck. (laughs) Yeah, I'd like to see that happen. All right, thanks very much, Squire. Here's Jay Duran now with a preview of Global News at 11. Jay? Thanks very much, Chris. Tonight, an appeal for help for a Vancouver man left with traumatic injuries in a random attack. Are we going there? We're coming. It's coming. 
Jay Durant now. Okay. Andrew <laughs> Kerr was assaulted in Vancouver's West End at the end of November. According to his sister, Andrew will need a lifetime of rehabilitation and care. Police have not made any arrests. We'll have more on that story and the rest of the day's news when you're joining us tonight at 11, Chris. All right. Look forward to that. Thanks very much, Jay. I don't know much about skiing, but 1,002 <laughs> seems like quite a base. That seems like too much base. A little glitch, just a gremlin in the system. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll get that updated for later broadcasts. In the meantime, a boy and his dog first thrust into the spotlight a couple of years ago on Instagram have a couple of new photogenic additions to the family and sending out some spirit of the season. That's how we're going to end the show for you today. It's been a couple of years since we've seen little Buddy and his furry pal, Reagan. There was an instant bond. You could see the, the love between the two of them. Both continue to grow in front of our eyes, as does their family. Aww. Buddy's real name is Sawyer. He now has a little sister, Stella, who, just like her big brother, was a foster child adopted into the family. She especially loves Reagan, so it's fun for the three of them to kind of get together. I love taking pictures. Their adventures in friendship are a popular Instagram feed with photos taken by the kid's grandmother, Sandy. I would have never thought that an Instagram account for a dog could turn into something so big and so helpful to other people. Inspired by her growing family, Grandma Sandy has written books. Is that Reagan? That is Reagan. And an annual calendar has now raised more than $60,000 to help other children in foster care. And you aren't seeing double. There's another doodle now in the picture. Lincoln is my son's dog. Lincoln and Reagan get to play together a lot. What began as a story about a boy and his best friend turns out to be the perfect message for the season. There's something really special about having a companion that wants you exactly as you are. And with that, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. <laughs>